Now, the Jen Charlton Show on 930 WFMD and WFMD.com. Telling it like it is with your host, Jen Charlton. Good morning and welcome. It's so great to be here with you today. We got the, the chilies going on. We got people going up to the mountain and going snowboarding. Now all we need is some snow. What a great day. I'm really excited to talk to you about some things that are going on. And, you know, we have tracked China probably before a lot of other people were really talking about the dangers of it. There were a few people said, you know, three, four, five years ago, oh, well, you know, China's something to be concerned about. And people weren't really paying attention. And I discovered and met this guy who is an expert on China. We've been talking about China for years now. So when the whole balloon thing happened this week, I said, well, I'm going to reach out to Peter Husey because he's my expert China guy and knows really what's going on and the insides and outsides of this situation. But before we delve into that and I bring Peter on, I want to say that we're in the precipice, and I've said this before and I'm going to say it again, of losing our freedoms, losing our rights and responsibilities as human beings to live a safe and respectable life, free from crime. There will always be some, but relatively free from crime. Not living under a communist rule like China. Yet, China has three balloons. Now, there's three of them. We know about three. One over Canada, one over us. By the way, they both ended up over Canada. One came further south to us, and then another one in Latin America. So what is China up to? Globalist communist rule? One world order? One society where they get to say they, the little people in the White Tower, who hold dominion over you and me, how we should and shall live our lives. And it's happening not only above us at 60,000 feet, but it's happening in our local and state elections and legislatures. So you and I have to be mindful, take back our country, get involved, and understand that if it's if it's going to be, it's up to me. That is something that my dear mentor taught me, Jim McEachern, many years ago. If it's going to be, it's up to me. And if there's no time like that than this moment in history where we have to be activated to say, you will not control me. You will not take away my rights. And so we're going to have later on in the show, Senator Bill Folden's calling in from the polar bear plunge to tell us an update on what where we are in the gun control laws. OK, and then at um, the last break, we're going to have Jamie Brennan join us from Moms for Liberty about what's going on in education. So this is an action packed show. So let's get started. Good morning and uh, welcome, Peter. Welcome back to the show. It's great to have you with us. Thank you, Jennifer. It's a pleasure always to come talk to you. And I so appreciate your your availability. You give me access to you and your mind and your brilliance, and I appreciate that because these are times where people are, you know, you know, online and Twitter, people are kind of yucking it up like, yeah, hey, China's overhead. But 
it is more serious than that, isn't it? So could you please give us first from your perspective? Now, you're a geostrategist. You you understand China intimately. What is your perspective on what's going on and why the heck are they flying over Montana? Okay, first of all, China has been collecting information uh, about America, both our classified information and non-classified for 40 years. This is not new. Uh, They did it with, for example, Confucius Institutes all the way down to high schools. My prep school in New Hampshire has had a Confucius Institute where Chinese students were here gathering information and persuading young people to support China. They've stolen $600 billion a year in our our, uh, intellectual property, according to the head of the National Security Agency, Keith Alexander. Uh, So this is not new. It's not like a... This is someone like Sputnik, as Katie McFarland said today. But it's actually the Chinese have been doing this on a rampant basis all over the world and particularly against the United States. And But this have they been this blatant about it? Yeah, they're getting more and more blatant. This is basically – this is a couple things. Their satellites could watch Maelstrom Air Force Base in Montana, which is where our 150 ICBMs are. They could watch it with satellites, which are more persistent – can dwell on an area. Uh, this is at 60,000 feet, much closer. And so they might be able to get things they might otherwise, but it's more than that. It's the single middle finger salute to America. We can do this and you won't do anything about it, number one. Number two, let's see if a balloon, which we can maneuver, goes over the Aleutians, that's Alaska, then into Canada, then into Montana, and we'll see what America does. Do they convene a National Security Council meeting? Do they send up uh, F-15s or Joint Strike Fighters or F-22s to see, hey, what's going on here? Because we saw this coming out of uh, over the Pacific. Could have shot it down then. And the question is they're trying to intimidate us. Their collection activities have been rampant. This is not just one of. This is one of thousands of ways they collect information, which they, they have, as I say, they've stolen our intellectual property. Bill Gertz, The Washington Times, and my friend Chris Osborne of Maven Warrior have both written articles this week. Uh, Bill did one, uh, quoting me, about how much nuclear weapons technology China was given as well as stole, which is part of their massive increase. When did that occur? Well, in the 1990s, they were launching satellites, and the rockets were blowing up. But it's a lot cheaper to get China launch rockets than the United States. And so... The insurance company said, wait a minute, we're in a hook for a billion dollars plus every time one of your dumb rockets crashes on the website, on the launch pad. Let's you, try and not do would that. You kind of figure out what the heck's going on. <laughs> so they had an American company who does guidance sets said, you got it wrong, Pops. Do it this way. And part of that was the guidance set dispenses multiple satellites simultaneously because you don't just put one satellite on one rocket. You can launch Dozens of the things. Yeah, when you're up there, you want to get business well, done. Well, yeah. small satellites, you can launch a lot. Guess what? It's the same technology that launches multiple warheads on an ICBM or an SLBM, which the Chinese copied. They're not stupid. And so they figured out how to MERV, multiple independently reentry vehicles, they're called, uh, a fancy name for warheads that can go in different directions. The Chinese figured out how to MERV. That's why they're going from two or 300 warheads to at least 1,500 by 2030, 2035, according to Admiral Richard, who just retired as the head of Strategic Command in Omaha, Nebraska, which is our nuclear 
senior, he's our senior nuclear military commander. And he said the Chinese buildup is breathtaking. They've launched more ballistic missiles than any other country in the world in the last year. Are they trying to blow up the planet? I mean, what's no, no. their objective? They're trying to intimidate the United States to stand down in any fight. They don't want to fight a nuclear war over Taiwan. So they Taiwan. can dominate us? Yeah, they want to take over Taiwan, the South China. You take over the South China Sea, you've got 5 billion people in India the United, and China, that whole area. And you have 50, you're going to have $50 trillion of GDP. You'll have most, the, the most dominant position in world trade. That's why they're building all these islands. That's why they want to st- control the Straits of Malacca. That's why they want to control the Indian Ocean. They want to be what's called a hegemon, meaning I'm the big shot. It's not a competition between Burger King and McDonald's. <laughs> See, there won't be any. If we're McDonald's, the old guy, and Burger King or Wendy's or the new guy, they want to be the big shot. They want to be the cheese. And this is a way this, this balloon thing is, it's a, it's a surveillance balloon. It's not a weather balloon. And it's basically a way of China saying, we're the big guys. We can do what we want. And you, remember the Iranians, Khomeini said, you can do nothing about the Iranian nuclear program. And he said that not about this president, not about Trump. I think he said this about uh, um, uh, Jimmy Carter and then uh, later other presidents. And basically we have given Iran, except for the sanctions Trump put on, which was enormously effective, we have basically allowed Iran to build up a nuclear weapons capability that former Director of Central Intelligence, uh, uh, DNI, uh, General Hayden said was an industrial strength nuclear weapons technology program. So when you look at China, Iran, what you're kind of pointing to is that there's a group of folks called the bad guys who yeah they work together they, they work together and the, Russia and Russia and, and North, North Korea. Korea and Syria and Venezuela and Nicaragua and now you have Colombia and Brazil and other countries in Central America. Well, they America. just took down the Brazilian election, so right. that was an installment. And, and the people they're putting in power. Are this there's, there's, there's a theory in there that says one vote, one time, one ruler, and then the rest of the elections after that are just simply pro forma, which so, is where we are as a United States of America. Our elections right. are already there as well. We already know that. Listen, unless we change the election process and the people stand up, the next election will be an installment just like the last several, and uh, and we are we've lost our country. I mean that's that's well, just the take, basic. You take five Reality. million illegal aliens that came in in the last two years, and that's the ones we, we actually stopped at the border and gave them a ticket and said, show up for your asylum hearing. I'm not talking about the getaways. And they just are, chuckle and laugh okay, and walk off. Let's say you give them amnesty, and you assume 60% will vote Democratic, 40% will vote Republican. Well, that's two million people spread over five, six, seven key states you don't have to worry about ever losing the election. So let's get back because we're going to cover election in a little bit. So that's kind of a precursor to what we're going to talk about after. uh, So this this balloon back to China. Yes. Yeah. Last night, middle of the night, I got a a notification that Twitter on Twitter that there was an explosion. Did they blow up the balloon? The one over the United States? Yes, in Montana. No, no it's, it's somewhere over Missouri or Kansas or I think now Georgia. They said over Billings last night it looked like uh, a, a an explosion. So if the balloon wasn't there, did they launch a missile? I have no idea what the Air Force did. My guess is... Or I'm saying did China. Can, did, did China have well, the capability I would assume, to launch? I would assume China could blow itself, detonate it by saying we don't want someone to capture it. 
Right. So we'll blow it up on our own, which is you have the ability to do that with with the, even U.S. Uh, things. Well, yeah. anytime we launch a rocket and it's going off course, we'll detonate it. We'll blow it up right there on the on when it's up in the air. That's just a, a safety thing. So what what China is doing here is years ago when we discovered the railroad tracks that China was building with rail cars with nuclear missiles on them. They were going into mountains where they're hiding. Very, very clever, but also highly survivable because they were at the bottom of ravines, which you can't get a, getting a warhead in there would be very difficult. Well, Phil Carber was a former defense official. He looked at the launch pads that were outside the railroad uh, tunnels. And he said, wait a minute, they're, they're, they're angled, aimed at over the pole toward the United States. And he measured how far from that launch pad to Minot, North Dakota, Maelstrom Air Force Base in uh, Montana, F.E. Warren, Wyoming. Well, shazam. It's exactly the distance that a DF-31 ballistic missile owned by China can go. So they're aimed at our missiles. All right, so let me ask you. That's a first strike. Right. Preemptive take out America's. But if they did that, the yes. harm that would be done, because those are nuclear warheads, wouldn't there be a nuclear fallout that would no, be I mean, just you, beyond measure? you take out the silo so it can't work, and you bury it in the ground. Okay, you don't blow up. Are you up. sure they wouldn't try and blow it up? No, there'd be no reason to do it, because if you take a warhead, Chinese nuclear warhead, and explode it on the ground on top of a silo, an airburst, the silo's never going anywhere. It ain't going to open. Okay, so whatever missiles in there is going to stay there. Okay, now there will be fallout from the ballistic missile, the warhead the Chinese do, but you're talking about Montana, Wyoming, and North Dakota, and the the for those of us in this nuclear business, it's crazy. We believe that okay, our option is to fire back, and then the Chinese will fire back again and hit our cities. So. You lose 20, 30, 40, 50, 60,000 American citizens, a lot of fallout, get your cancers and stuff. Are you going to risk New York and Los Angeles to fire back? So that goes to the credibility of your deterrent. Are you going to respond with nuclear weapons if you get hit with nuclear weapons? Well, what you know, based on this conversation, what comes to my mind is, my God, is Biden in over his head? Oh, every look. <laughs> I mean, We've had that Jennifer. Guy is so we've had in over his head. well. We've had over a year of Putin. Now has made at least fifty threats to use nuclear weapons if we send U.S. or NATO forces, not weapons, forces into Ukraine. So we've refrained from doing that. So you can ask yourself: Does Putin's nuclear threat, his deterrent, work? Yes, our deterrent has prevented him, hopefully, from going nuclear but didn't stop them from invading with conventional forces. So this is, we've had a year to toil of more stuff on nuclear weapons than we've ever had in any year. Uh, and we're now wondering how reckless is Putin? Would he use nuclear weapons if he gets to the point where he's losing a conventional fight? Because they adopted back in 1999 this escalate to win strategy, which means if I'm losing a conventional war, I'm going to threaten the use of nuclear weapons to get you to stand down. So the question then is, if we don't stand down, does Putin say, well, okay, now I'm going to use a few nukes, limited number in the region. And now I believe the Chinese have adopted that same strategy with respect to Taiwan. But as I, let me emphasize, they don't want to fight a nuclear war with us. They want us to stand down. 
otherwise surrender and not even fight. I got it. We're going to take a okay. quick break. On that note, <laughs> that lovely little note, we're going to take a break. That's, that's what they're doing in Montana is they're surveilling our nuclear capability there. Uh, partly it's fingers in the eyes. Part it's like the middle finger salute. But part of it is gathering intelligence because they're always gathering more stuff. So it's kind of a checkmate. That's what they're trying to put us in. We'll be right back. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Sweeties on the Creek. We're scooping now. We'll be right back. The Jen Charlton Show is brought to you in part by Flamingo Pool Supply, Industry Lane Frederick, the best for your pool today. Past editions of this program are available in the audio vault at WFMD.com, a service of Holtzapple Heating and Air Conditioning. Welcome. Welcome back to success. Welcome back to the Jen Charlton Show. It's great to be with you. Um, Peter and I are covering a lot of ground right now, and we just have a couple more minutes on China and what's been going on with the balloons. But I think where I want to end up here, and we'll have you back because this is going to be an ongoing effort. But when you look at what's going on, it's a global integrated effort between the four axes of power, if you will, that are against us, which we discussed. But then throw in Ukraine and the Ukrainian war and all of the capabilities that we've offshored, offloaded to Ukraine of our equipment. We are now in a military um, disadvantage. Talk about that in terms of our military capabilities because they've drained us. And frankly, Biden has irresponsibly put us at risk, not only on the southern border, another show, but because of the military uh, equipment he's given to people uh, that may or may not be, frankly, our allies on the good guys versus ga- bad guys war that we're in. Well, so let, let me, let me, tell us about okay. Ukraine. This is very important to understand. Years ago, when we decided how much inventory of weapons would we have, it was decided to have a very limited number and we made an assumption we made an assumption any war, conventional war we have, will be short, short duration, over quickly. Therefore, you don't need a big inventory of weapons. Therefore, you can have a smaller defense budget. We made that decision kind of under the table without a lot of discussion. But that was the fundamental. And all the war games we did were over quickly. And if they weren't over quickly, we did an oops. We don't have the industrial capability to ramp up too quickly to produce more. So when you have a war like Ukraine, which has been going on for a year, and you're supplying an inventory of what you had, you have another oops, which is, wait a minute, we don't have a very large supply of this stuff. Well, that's because you deliberately decided to have low stockpiles. And therefore, this wasn't just this administration. It's previous administrations, some of whom have tried to remedy it. Well, Trump, to like his Trump, credit, well, he, yes, yes. he really ramped but, us up because he knew we were under. Understood. But Mr. Biden signed into law a defense budget, which was $45 billion more than what he had asked for, which everybody, I remember when I was pushing it and Mike Rogers of Alabama and Doug Lamborn and Mr. Turner on Armed Services and Jack Reed, the Democrat from Rhode Island, the chairman of the Senate committee, he said, no, we need more, not just for inflation purposes. And they got it. Okay, so 
we're on the right track, but we're late to the game. Because well, but let, here's the thing. I think it was absolutely strategic. I think that I think that Biden has demonstrated he has a relationship with China, which by default has him have a relationship with Putin, whether people want to link it or not. We've just said China and and Putin are are in cahoots. And they we've are. also said that North Korea is in cahoots and Iran is in cahoots. <laughs> yes. and, and we know that Biden and Hunter are in cahoots with China. So therefore, Biden is in cahoots with Putin. So if you track that, then we have we have the Ukraine which had a lot of bioweapon we uh, well, bioweapon yeah. labs there. The, Ukraine is not a clean and pristine place. No, no, place. no. You have to understand something. So no, let the, me let me finish what I'm tracking because okay. we're we're running out of time. I want to try and loop this together. Therefore, if they are helping Ukraine and they're facilitating this war, they being Biden et al then therefore they are draining the U.S. They are draining well, us and have put us in an uncompromised position. That's an argument made by a lot of my friends who are very pro-military and pro-national security, that if we happen to have a fight somewhere else like the Middle East or North Korea, we'll be hard-pressed to bring enough forces to bear because our inventory is so low. I have no argument with that, okay? And we're selling our oil reserves to China. Well, what the heck? Because we put so much of the petroleum reserve on the market we had to was a wash in boo in 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 oil and basically it was who first come first serve china said well, i can buy this stuff cheap okay which is like hey they're buying it from but you don't cheap. sell off our reserves when you're in no, a no, crisis no. like we are <coughs> don't get me wrong it was that was meant to be for an emergency as opposed to well politically i need to lower the price of oil <coughs> have you noticed it's way up now Okay, the price of gas. Oh, are you kidding me? I pay for it every day. All so, right, everybody, so, listen. We're going to take a quick break, Peter. Yes. We're going to be back. Okay. We're going to have Senator Bill Folden with us. <coughs> I have with me in studio Peter Husey, and really appreciate your insights and your um, guidance on navigating this because it is complicated. But we are in a global conflict. Whether we like to believe it or not, it's not as simple as Ukraine versus Putin, because first of all, and I want to end with this, if they had said we weren't going to send our our men and women over there to fight, then why in the heck did they give them our equipment? On that note, we'll be right back. The Jen Charlton Show is brought to you in part by Flamingo Pool Supply, Industry Lane Frederick, the best for your pool today. Free Talk, 930 WFMD. Welcome back to the Jen Charlton Show. It's great to have you with us. And we're having a lively discussion in between. <laughs> My whole thing is, look, if if A plus B equals C plus D divided by E, then therefore A equals E. I mean, they're all con in connection. They're all in cahoots. And what that ends up looking like is the United States of America is under siege, not only from the bad guys outside who are flying things overhead, as Peter so aptly said with the middle finger salute, but from within. There are people who have made policy decisions and offloaded our strategic equipment. We're either America first, okay, and let's take care of this piece of land God gave us. Or we're, we're putting our nose in other people's business. 
And it's time for us to take our nose out of other people's business. And I think that's what Trump tried to do. They said no more wars. Let's pull all our people back. Let's stop the craziness. When you look at the installed elections and how we're one election away, and one of the things we're going to cover is elections, we're going to cover gun laws. Let's talk about these policies that are happening in the legislative areas around the country. They're trying to pull back our guns. But what we know is happening is in these areas where there is no gun allowed, we call them safe zones. We also call them soft targets. Let's talk about the vulnerabilities from your understanding with your military mind. How does that affect us? I think it makes us more vulnerable and puts our kids at risk. And I think that these soft zones in the school systems are very vulnerable. So you had said something about the statistics. Talk about that. Well, it's not just school systems. When when John Lott did a story just a couple days ago, there are 43 states that have concealed handgun carry permits. There's not been a mass shooting in those states since the year 2000. That's number one. Number two, if you look at the shooter in Colorado, that roar that went into the uh, movie theater and shot people up, and you look at Buffalo, you look at their diaries, what they said beforehand, their social media, they were looking for places that were gun-free zones. And in Aurora, there were like 13 theaters, and 12 of them had concealed handgun carry permits you could carry into the theater. One did not. That's where the guy went. And in schools where you have gun-free zones, it's a target of opportunity, and the bad guys know that. They, they may be evil, but they're not stupid. Interesting, in California, remember, we just had two mass shootings, one in L.A. County, one in San Mateo County. And Gavin Newsom said the problem was permit carries. And so John Lott looked at the numbers. In L.A. County, one out of every 26,000 people have a gun permit, a carry. That's not the problem. In San Mateo County, it's one out of every 6,000. What is it in those states that have concealed permit carry that have been free of mass shootings, one out of every 9,000. So the idea that one out of every 26,000 people in L.A. County are the problem that caused the mass shooting, the people who do the mass shooting aren't legally carrying guns, okay? The permit holders almost universally are totally law-abiding. They also prevent a lot of crime. The numbers I've seen as upwards of 2 million times you brandish Guns are brandished. I mean, they're not the trigger isn't pulled. No one shoots anybody, but they're brandished, and it stops an enormous amount of crime. So I understand that the the frustration of politicians, they see these mass shootings, they see the gun violence, and they say, oh, God, if we just took away the gun, the guy wouldn't have the opportunity. Uh, I'd have to use a knife or something or a brick or a baseball bat, and that's a lot less uh, convenient. Or, or, But the problem is cops can't be everywhere. And the people that stop crime are you and me and our law-abiding folks because the bad guy doesn't know who might have a concealed permit and who might be carrying. But a police officer is pretty easily identifiable. They wear a uniform, okay? And if he knows if he takes out that guy and it's a gun-free zone, odds are nobody else will have a gun and they'll be uninhibited. And I know it's counterintuitive to believe that an armed citizenry is a safer citizenry than unarmed. But isn't it fascinating? Every communist fascist regime in history 
what's the first thing they do after they close the churches is they take people's guns away because that's the only a power that can fight the monopoly of state power, which every communist government, that's the first thing they do when they take over, is take away everybody's firearms. Well, it's not a, it's not a coincidence that that's what they do. And it's also not a coincidence that they designed our founding documents to say that we have the right to carry. Right. But let me make something else. As, as, uh, Mr. Against Cuomo, tyranny. Mr. Cuomo said, well, how many bullets do you need to kill a deer? And Mr. Biden, our president, has said similarly, you know, what do you need for, for hunting? You don't need a AR-15 a or you don't need a big magazine. And I have to say, in all due respect, Governor and Mr. President, our founders did not write the Second Amendment to guarantee the right to hunt. That wasn't in jeopardy. <laughs> and it wasn't something that you needed a Second Amendment to the Constitution of the United States. It had to do with defending life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You know, recently, our vice president was citing the Declaration of Independence, and she didn't say life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. She said liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Now, is it a pro-abortion meeting? So that's why she dropped life. But life means not only the life of an unborn child, but life meant your own life, your family's life. You have the right to protect it. And our Constitution was uniquely part in all of history. Isn't it amazing? You know, listen. So that's Ms. why we have Ms. the Second Harris. Amendment. Ms. Harris has a lot of nerve to start editing the Constitution, okay? The Declaration of Independence. Declaration of Independence or all, all documents thereof. So, I mean, she's got a lot of gumption. Uh, but and the question I think is, it was it on purpose? To, of course it was. Because, you know, that's what traitors do. If you're no, no, not no, no. going to, if you're not, now I'm going to say this, you don't have to. You know, I, let me pick up from here. You know, the because... If you don't abide by our Declaration of Independence and our Constitution and our Bill of Rights and our amendments, and you actually defy them against your oath, by the way, she has an oath to uphold. No, no, you're and right. And if she does not uphold that oath, that makes her a traitor. Well, like I would say the this. There is very clear now that what the opponents want to do is abolish our Constitution and create a new one based more like Cuba or Yeah, so they can Nicaragua. be communist-controlling well, uh, globalists. We got it. But that's not what's going to happen here because no, no, no. we they, are but the great they, they United really, States of America, and we have a Constitution. They do want to take away our Constitution. That, to me, is what's frightening. Well, because they're traitors. So, so we have to be very clear. The insurrection did not occur on January 6th. The insurrection occurred on November 3rd and 4th when they started installing people and they started dismantling our founding documents and our foundation as yeah, a Yeah, I nation. think you could go back to Woodrow Wilson. Well, perhaps. The a lot of people do believe we need to go further back uh, well, to I think really that's get been to the bottom aim. of I think that's been what's been going on in, in the CIA, the FBI, and so forth. I have Senator Wonderful. Bill Folden on. Good morning, Bill. Welcome to the Jen Charlton Show. It's great to have you with us. Good morning, Bill. Hey, good morning. Good morning, Jennifer. What are your thoughts on how it's going for the, and you're, by the way, you're at the Polar Plunge, right? Uh, yeah, I'm headed down that way. Have fun. All right. Can you uh, tell us quickly your overview of an assessment of where we are on 2A gun bills in Annapolis? Uh, well, we had a couple hearings this past week uh, on 
penalties associated with felons in possession or even just uh, possession of handguns while commission of a crime. I think those were favorable. Um, I'll be curious to see how they come out in their final crafting uh, on the chamber floor. Uh, if Hopefully they'll make it out of committee because the Ivan Bates, the Baltimore City State's attorney, is actually taking a really proactive role in wanting to hold especially felons in possession of a handgun accountable with uh, penalties and no not taking plea deals. So, I mean, he's to be commended for that type of uh, effort, and I'm trying to support him in that as well. So it's actually a bipartisan approach on that measure, on that front. Excellent. As far as the, as far as the other, the, the major one that most 2A, uh, 2A supporters or opponents are going to be focused on is Senate Bill 1, which was put in by Vice Chair uh, Waldstriker of Judicial Proceedings Committee I'm on, and uh, we're, it's going to be a vigorous fight. And that's Those hearings are this Tuesday. I Remind whole, people, SB 1 covers what? So basically, it's it's completely unconstitutional. It's about, uh, especially in, uh, in light of the Bruin decision. Uh, New Jersey and New York have tried to do similar measures, uh, and their legislation has put put on hold while it's reviewed further from being enacted. But basically, it's they're trying to keep it to where you can only carry your gun basically around your house. Anywhere else you go, uh, any right. establishment or gathering points, uh, that it would be illegal. So everything becomes a soft target. Yes. And, you know, so Monday night we had a, a really uh, good group of Second Amendment supporters down in Annapolis greeting the senators and delegates as they walked in and out of the chamber. And, you know, they actually made a very pointed argument at uh, Chairman, uh, Vice Chair Waldstriker and uh, made it known that, you know, some of these were Montgomery County um, wow. citizens that had come down and were making comments that they were very upset with him for passing legis- or trying to put in legislation that would make their synagogues a target, as they have been in throughout history at times, right. and not being able to defend themselves upon such attacks on a religious institution. Don't you have the right to carry your gun in your house to begin with? Yeah, isn't that funny? <laughs> you can carry your gun in your house, which is already your right, uh, but you, you can't uh, carry your gun to go to the movies, which has become another, you know, preeminent soft target that people go to and people have taken advantage of the under the cover of darkness in the theater to carry out certain assaults at times. So, you know, we're trying to, and, and it doesn't, it, the problem is it doesn't hit or make the effect or impact that they're looking for. They want to try to handle this. It's only affecting the legal gun owners. It doesn't do anything to the illegal gun owners or the felons in possession of them, attributing you know more strict enforcement and penalties. It only affects legal gun owners and potentially puts them in positions of committing a crime that they don't they wouldn't even be aware that they were committing. The way this is crafted, it's a terrible piece of legislation. It's unconstitutional. We are going to fight this very vigorously. Uh, but I'm going to be honest with you. You know, the comment was made that they're not worried about the constitutionality of it, that they have made it known that that is for a higher authority to decide, that the bill in its its current framework is being heard and it's going to be argued as such. 
So here's the thing. This is what we call lawfare. They're trying to overturn our country and overturn our Constitution. I don't know if you heard the comments by Peter before you came on, but the fact that they're trying to erode and get dismiss and get rid of our Constitution altogether and recraft something that they that gives them power and authority over us, the minions. And uh, this this idea that that they don't care whether it's unconstitutional violates their oath of office period they all should be fired and perhaps jailed yeah i mean we all take the same oath to protect and defend and uphold the constitution of the united states and the state of maryland and you know it's i I heard you guys talking earlier it's like they're trying to chip away and erode the constitution to make it more unsafe in our communities and almost become like a socialist district or not even a republic, a socialist country where we're making authoritative decisions and it's just being handed down and you're going to have well, and listen, and there's a very the wishes of the people and the Constitution. There's a very fine line between socialism and communism, and I think we have them conflated. They are on a spectrum. And we, we, I said this a couple years ago, we're bypassing socialism. When you go to reconstructing our constitution, you go to communism or not even reconstructing, dismantling and, and getting rid of. So we have to stop collapsing the two because, you know, Sweden's socialist, but it's a far cry from Venezuela, which or Cuba, which I would call more communist. Would you agree with that, Peter? Well, Sweden has actually moved to the right considerably over the last they uh, learned their lessons, decade and a half. So I think a lot of Americans who want to see us as a socialist country think socialism is nice. But look what the social media people are doing in this country. They're taking away people's First Amendment rights. They're taking away Second Amendment rights. They're saying that uh, if you go to a school board and you're not a, and you're upset with the, the uh, woke policies, you're a terrorist. Yeah. I mean, look at California. They 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 want to regulate how much you can drive your car. They want to regulate how much you can use your appliances. You know, okay, you have an index of carbon. You get so many carbon credits, and that's it. And they're trying to implement that through legislation because your car does have a little chip in it that can speak to EPA and tell you tell them how many miles you drive a year. So. You know, on that note, I want to bring in Jamie Brennan from Moms for Liberty. And, uh, Bill, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day to call in and give us your insight on what's been going on. What can people do coming up Tuesday? Is uh, It's uh, 2A Tuesday. What can people do to participate? Well, look, I appreciate you having me on. And they can contact their local district, contact their legislators, their representatives, and make them aware of where they stand on this and how uh, they can help. And that's what that's the way we do it, is start at the grassroots, contacting your representatives, and move forward from there together in a unified front. Beautiful. Would there be uh, useful to seek an, injoin- an injunction against the bill that uh, permits you only to carry the gun in your home to get an injunction yeah. pending a judicial ruling as to whether or not it's constitutional? given what's happened in yeah, New I mean, Jersey and New York? Uh, yeah, so that would obviously be the next step prior to if it were to move through committee and through the floor. 
Um, and the NRA is obviously watching this very closely. I met with their representatives the other day uh, to make sure uh, on, the, on their positions on things and obviously on the ways that we need to attack this very uh, unconstitutional measure that's being requested uh, by on SB Senate Bill 1. Excellent. All right. Well, we'll let us know what we can do to support you. We appreciate you so much fighting the fight in Annapolis for us. And, you know, I think what happens in Annapolis could lay the groundwork for other states, good or bad. So we definitely want to make sure, you know, when they talk about liberal states, they never mention Maryland, which I just find shocking. <laughs> so, uh, you know, they'll talk all around us, but they don't mention the, the destructive policies here in Maryland. God bless you, Bill. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Thank we'll you. talk to you soon. You as well. Welcome, Jamie Brennan. It is so great to have you with us. Thank you so much for calling in. Uh, Jamie is with Moms for Liberty in Frederick County. She is the founder of Moms for Liberty. And I want to talk, Jamie, about where we are because you had an important hearing last week. We just have a couple minutes, but I want to make sure we keep people apprised of what's going on in Annapolis about the CRT. Thanks, Jen. Um, So... Well, so this particular bill is um, addressing, and it and it, this is how they indirectly bring all the CRT kind of stuff into our, into our schools. But this particular bill was is House Bill um, one nineteen, and it's cross filed as Senate Bill um, one ninety nine. And last week was the hearing in the House, the House Ways and Means Committee for it. And the purpose of the bill is actually what it's doing is codifying the. Um, the sex, the MSCE expanded comprehensive sex ed curriculum into our schools. And so what it does is it ultimately forces, um, you know, age inappropriate sex ed curriculum down into the all of our schools by law. To MSCE, what age, to what age, Jamie, are they bringing this inappropriate uh, training to our kids? Well, so they start in kindergarten, uh, requiring teachers to talk about with their kindergartners about recognizing and expressing their gender. Um, by fourth grade, they're um, making sure kids understand sexual orientation, physical attraction, uh, what it means to be attracted to somebody of the same gender. And by seventh grade, <laughs> they're talking about um, solo, vaginal, and anal sex with Jesus. our 7th graders, some of who are, you know, 12 years old. Um, and then it, it expands from then. I mean, What's, the, gets, what's know, the rationale for what, what – if, let's say you didn't have this, how would it harm students who at age 9 or 10 don't have this kind of uh, – Influence. What's, what's Let's the, call it influence. I didn't have this when I was in school. You turned um, out just fine. What? What is? What is it? There. Hard work, and you know, it's like. Yeah. What is it that they're saying the children are going to lack if they don't get this kind of garbage? Well, they never, you know, adequately explain that. They're they want to expand it because they claim that kids who might you know, be gay or, um, you know, uh, feel that they're, they're, you know, not that they might be trans or whatever, that they are doing this in order to promote, uh, basically promote, you know, wider acceptance, et cetera, et cetera, and that that will help kids avoid bullying and other things. But this expanded curriculum has been 
adopted in states throughout the country. And MSDE, under Larry Hogan, by the way, Larry Hogan's MSDE, put this framework out and pushed it out to all the counties. Who gets the, the MSDE, money? What's, is it the Kinsey well, Institute in Indiana or who is it? Because believe it or not, the Kinsey Institute in Indiana gets a lot of the family planning, sexual education money in our grammar schools to the tunes of tens of millions of dollars. It's kind of sick because, as you know, they, he was totally sick as an individual. But where does the who who I always wondered, who were the people writing these uh, lessons that that our kids get? Because yeah, they're under. It's under a whole bunch of groups, and Planned Parenthood okay. is involved. There's some well, groups um, funded by other organizations, such as Advocates for Youth. Check out their stuff; it's really freaking disturbing. Okay, um, they, which they're funded by who knows who. You know what I mean? But, but when they they pass this framework, plenty of the counties started balking and said, "Okay, we're not going to adopt this, or we're not adopting it the way you want us to," et cetera, et cetera. MSDE started, you know, pulling out their big stick. Well, if you don't adopt our suggestions, because MSDE curriculum is suggestions. If you don't adopt our suggestions, we're going to, you know, cut funding, blah, 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 blah. So there was rising up enough pushback, particularly in some of the rural conservative counties, because as we know, most of the time, once you get outside central Maryland, um, people are normal. And um, (laughs) so they... You know, a lot of the other counties weren't putting up with this nonsense. Parents started to find out about weren't having it. They were fighting back, making their own curriculum, downplaying, you know, writing curriculum standards to, to comply, but, like, not really. And so now they knew that this agenda is, you know, not happening. It's not widely accepted. It's not widely So, agreed. Jamie. So the- now they're trying to push it through legislature. Yeah. So they're strong arming. They're holding back budget. We've got two minutes. I want to just say a couple of things based on what you just said. We are definitely going to have you back. We're going to do a whole show on this. But and I want, first of all, briefly, what is coming next and how can people support this effort? This this bill is going to be heard in the Senate on Wednesday. Um, It is in um, the uh, it's uh, Senate Bill one. Nine nine, um, and it is going to be held heard in the Education, Energy, and Environment Committee. Um, the opening for testimony will not happen until Tuesday, but keep your eyes open on the MGA LEG okay. Maryland.gov. Let me just site. tell everybody: go to my Facebook page and go to the WFMD.com Audio Vault. Scroll down to the Jen Charlton Show. For the last two weeks, we have all those bills with live links in the description of the show so you can click and go and you will see what's going on and follow and track these bills. It's very important for you to get involved. Go to Annapolis, have your voice and your presence be seen and heard. The last thing I want to say is counselors in schools provide this kind of personalized service for these students. It should not be rolled out to the general population and influenced and imposed and confusing back to this China Confucius, Confucius for these kids. It's, it's not right. It's immoral. It's wrong. We'll be right back. 
sure to listen to The Jen Charlton Show, Telling It Like It Is, on podcast if you miss our weekly show. And by the way, be sure to rate us. Give us a five-star thumbs up and share it with your friends. This information needs to get out there. It's important that we're giving you access to the resources and the references in our details on the WFMD.com site. Go to the Audio Vault, and in there you can see links to the different programs and organizations or legislation that we're referring to in the show. So we're committed going forward that you have that information and you can use it, be empowered, get involved, engage, because this is your freedom, your liberty, your country, and it matters. Welcome back. This is Jen, and I have with me Peter Husey. And we're going to just complete the thought that Peter was starting to say when we were at the top of the show about a Danish study. So we're talking about the notion of the sexuality influences and and maybe even changes that kids may go through. And, uh, you know, it's one thing to influence them to make that drastic of a decision. And I believe, listen, if you're introducing these concepts to a kindergartner or you're introducing these concepts to a fourth grader, or even a seventh grader who's already tr- hormonal and trying to figure out what's going on in their body, then now you're, you're starting to muck with God's design. And there's a way that they do this through hormone uh, treatment. So, Peter, what were you going to say about that? Let me preface it by saying that there's always something that justifies what some of these crazy people are doing. And what's fascinating to me is no one goes and finds out what is it. Finally, Dr. Fauci, for example, recently was in a court case over this mandates, vaccine mandates, and was asked, where'd the shutdown come from? And he was very candid. Xi Jinping. The Chinese said the shutdown in China worked and therefore they decided here in America, at the top levels, the CDC, we're going to adopt it. That's it. Michael, um, a friend of mine who is Ramirez, who's a cartoonist, so the best editorial cartoonist in the world, puts together every day, based on his cartoon, what articles was he reading. This article came up as, where the heck did this transgender therapy, gender uh, affirmation it's called, And it's two Danish studies. And he looked at them. And he looked at some of the people criticizing and said, what the Danes did is they looked at hormone blocking and surgeries. You know, the chemical castration, number one, taking a woman's breasts off and getting rid of her fallopian tubes, that kind of things. And they found out that the only people they included in the study were those whose outcomes were quote unquote positive. 90% 90% of the outcomes turned out to be terrible. You've seen this here in America where young girls have stood up and said, what they did to me was, I'm, you know, they're suicidal. They get mental problems. They're miserable physically. They regret. They wish regrets, they hadn't done it. And it's overwhelming. And what the Danish studies did is they excluded all those folks and just included the quote-unquote positive outcomes. And, and That's criminal. It is criminal. And this was the basis on which... All these states, whether Massachusetts or New York or New Jersey, whatever, that are deciding to do this kind of thing in schools. Now, look, if you're worried about bullying, for crying out loud, have a class on, I don't care whether your student friend there is different, 
whether it's hair, uh, the skin hair color, colors, or skin re- color, religious faith, nose or whether, rings, ear uh, rings, whatever. You, you don't bully them. Right. Okay. Let each person be how, their, their How much their money person. does that cost? None. The teacher's going to be doing it anyway. But then you're going to give these students hormone blockers and you're going to do surgeries and you're not going to tell the parents and you're going to do it when they're under 18 and they can't give you informed consent. And then the question is, this is not reversible. You don't reattach stuff you've chopped off. I mean, to my mind, it's butchery. And yet we can't talk about it because, oh, well, you're, you're against it. I call it gender affirming care. First of all, it isn't care. It doesn't affirm anything. And it's got nothing gender, to do. Gender, what gender? Okay. Right. When I was growing up, there were girls that we called them tomboys. And they eventually grew out of it. And there were guys we called, you know, a little light in the loafers. Well, okay. That's okay. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, we became to each ex- his own. We, we came to yeah. accept it. Yeah. Okay. But the question is that Moynihan, Senator Moynihan once said, is we've defined deviancy down and that's what we mean by grooming. They are grooming these children to take part in alternative, quote-unquote, sexual activities. And they're underage. It's outrageous. I mean, how it's many young girls it's how many young girls it's... end up at Planned Parenthood and get an abortion who are under the age of consent? And yet they're never reported, though they're required by law. That's a question of basically statutory rape going on here or abuse. And yet we wink at it, and then we spend trillions of dollars on care for children, women, young girls who are basically children who've had children, and they don't work, and they have to be given. We give them food stamps and Medicaid and, and aid to families with dependent children, and then we kind of wink at, what are we getting out of this? All we're getting is young boys running around the country, impregnating young girls, and the young teenage girls are getting impregnated by men between the ages of basically 26 and 32 or slubs. They don't work. I remember Senator Byrd tried to attach their wages to help defray the costs of the poverty programs. Uh, Heritage Foundation pointed out we have spent $32 trillion on the war on poverty since 1965. Well, Shazam, that's our national debt. What did we get? We still have between 13 and 15 percent of the population yeah, the in, data poverty, hasn't yeah. in poverty, absent the poverty programs. And the poverty programs bring them up above, but at a cost of Mercator Center, at, uh, George Mason says it's $1.9 trillion a year we spend on means-tested poverty programs. What the heck are we getting for this? What are we getting for it? Yeah, Nothing. It's outrageous. Well, I really appreciate you bringing that point to the listeners and we're going to go ahead and include this in the podcast and we'll give people some links where they can go and do some of your own research i'm really committed with the new jen charlton show telling it like it is that we are empowering you with information but we're also supporting it with same thing about references that you can trust because the data doesn't lie the people who tell the data do right crt is the same thing if you go back and see where it came from, according to Congressman Brown from Maryland on Armed Services, he said, oh, it just was a bunch of law school guys. No, it came from a communist uh, uh, teacher from the Caribbean who ginned this up as part of Marx. Remember, Marx said, let's get rid of the nuclear family. And the reason is the nuclear family is where you learned religion and religious faith. And if you could take the upbringing of children away from the parents— 
and give it to the and institute. God. Exactly. That was the way to get rid of religious faith, which they—and a lot of these school teachers— Then you're not beholden to a deity. Well, you're a, beholden to right. the Communist Party. But a lot of the teachers who think parents are boors and deplorables and, you know, clingers, to quote a former president, they think giving children religious faith is a religious faith that says being gay is immoral. And so the kids think of gay people as they're going to bully them. So we have to get rid of cleanse people of this religious faith that looks at homosexuality uh, as, as against religion and against God's word and all the rest of it. I, I understand where, but it, it, it's it, people have a right to give their children the religious faith they want. And it's none of your business, Mr. and Mrs. School Teacher. And the idea that you're going to teach, say, families have to be excluded from the education of their children because you don't agree with what they do, because there's mainly right-wingers, the crazy Christians, you know, that kind of thing. That's where this comes from, is that we're going to exclude parents from decisions on their children because we, the school teachers, and the teachers' education racket that goes on at Columbia University, and, and there's one in Vermont, that also does it is is it, that they don't have a right to take our children's education away from the parents. Any I think President it. Trump had a wonderful idea. He said, "Let's have principals elected by the parents of the school. Yeah, let's have a parents' bill of rights. There you go. Let's have no tenure for teachers between K and twelve. So it's so basic. It's so <laughs> logical. It's so fundamental. I want to just and say also. That, I want to point to something. I Wouldn't that point, be nice? I want to point to something that you said about the war on poverty, and then we'll wrap this up. Okay. Interesting that 1965 forward the war on poverty, and yet if you look back to that was also, you know, Vietnam. It was uh, the sexual revolution. It be, probably began a lot of these issues that we're now still embroiled in around sexuality and and sexualizing our kids and all of that. That if you think prior to that, family, faith freedom were fundamental True. Fund and education were fundamental rights and they were the way we lived our lives our core values yes and and they were eroded during that 60s well, remember john revolution. kennedy becomes president the number of children born out of wedlock in america total everybody four percent it's now around 40 percent what did we get what we're basically saying is if you want to impregnate a woman, get her pregnant, she can go on welfare or get an abortion, but you're scot-free. No we don't, personal, we don't make no the young, personal responsibility. We don't make the young men uh, pay for that child. Right. For, remember we had uh, Bobby Rush from Chicago, and then we had the gentleman from Baltimore who was a member of Congress. Each of them had five children born out of wedlock from five different women. And yet the press was, well, they go visit them and t try to take care of them. I mean, are you kidding me? Well, that's if just I was, the when lack I was growing of morality. Up, if I, if you know what a shotgun wedding was in those days, when I was growing up, you impregnated a girl, you're getting married by a boy and guy, and you take care of them. What right? are you doing tomorrow at noon? <laughs> <laughs> All right. On that note, I want to thank everybody for listening uh, through to this added segment that we didn't get on air and we just wanted you to have. And I really want to thank the listener who called in and said, hey, I really wanted to hear what Peter was about to say. So we added this and we'll do more of this. So thank you so much. Have a great week.
You're listening to The Jen Charlton Show, telling it like it is. Check out our podcasts, and wherever you get your podcasts, be sure to rate us. Give us a five-star thumbs up and share it with your friends because this information needs to get out. Listen, next Saturday morning, 9 a.m., thank you, Peter Husey. Thank you, Jamie Brennan. Thank you, State Senator Bill Fold, and have a great week. We'll see you next Saturday morning right here, The Jen Charlton Show.